Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we are starting season seven, and it's called Remember the Alamo. Mary, what happened this week? Steve joins Brandon for a leg of his solo trip around America, the leg that brought them to the 1996 Olympics in Atlanta. But that was days ago, and now we're in Texas and Brandon's car is broken. This sucks for Steve, who said he'd be home to see Claire on Friday. Luckily, there's a bus for Houston, like, right there, so he hops aboard to catch a flight to L.A. Unfortunately, Claire has decided to come to Texas to surprise Steve. They chase each other from here to there with planes until bad weather strands them both in the same airport. Neither of them notices until they do, and they are happily reunited. It was silly. It was, but it was also the best part of the episode. By far. The best Hands down. The best lines the best chemistry i like it was i'm still kind of surprised that they lasted over the summer i was half expecting claire to get home and be like yeah we just kind of fizzled out you know and like steve to have been sowing his oat or whatever prince carl told him to do gross (laughs) but also very believable Mm -hmm. and then when claire comes back and that first time we see her kelly's like oh yeah i just talked to steve he said that being without you for three weeks was cruel and unusual punishment. I was like, that's Steve being romantic. It is. Like, Steve actually genuinely seems whipped. Now, I think it helps that they are, like, on the same page sexually. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. (laughs) But, like, they really do seem really into each other, which is half the battle. It's really good. I mean – Mary got me on that Bridgerton train and every single book, like as it keeps going, it's just like, and here are my four older siblings who are madly in love with their significant others. I need that too. And then the next one, here are my five older siblings who are madly in love. And it's just like, love, 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 love. And like, I get it. I'm on board. The fact that Steve like gets on a Greyhound to go, you know, however far across Texas, very unsteve of him. Very unsteve. Just to be with Claire so he didn't have to spend another day apart from her because the Mustang broke down. It was adorable. It was adorable. Also adorable, his Atlanta Olympics hat. The literally like the outfit. Yes. He had that like real tight fit top and then he had the hat with all the pins on it. I know. I was like on the lookout for I forget his name. You remember the mascot? Izzy. Yes. God, I could not. I was trying so hard. I don't know why I didn't Google it. But yeah, I was like looking for that little pen, but I mostly just saw like, you know, the like the the rings and the torch and like mm-hmm. all that kind of oh, I loved it. Such a good hat. Such a good hat. Yeah. I, I think I'm the only one of us that didn't live in Georgia during this Olympics. Mm. But my next door neighbor that year, his dad either like went specifically for the Olympics or is on a business trip. Like it was the age where I didn't know what my friend's parents did. So as far as I know, like he yeah. was just gone for a little while and then came back, but he brought <laughs> presents and he brought my friend the mascot in a stuffed animal. That's awesome. I don't understand Brandon's road trip. Presumably he went all the way to the West Coast or the East Coast and then down and back across. Mm-hmm. And that's what got him to Atlanta and then now through Texas. Mm-hmm. But I'm loving it. I, I'm pretty sure last 
season, I made a comment that going across country would not take them all summer, and I've been clearly very wrong. But maybe his route now makes a lot more sense. You know, like he went up, across, down, across. Like, you know, it. I guess it just makes more sense that it would take this long, especially if he was taking his time. But mm-hmm. also, like, wouldn't this be a pretty expensive trip to, and how is he paying for it? That's what got me, because... Yeah, the Mustang gets towed and it's a water pump. And this guy is very, like, generous about it where he's like, oh, yeah, we totally got one. I'll go get it. I'll put it in your car. You're good to go. Mm -hmm. But presumably this is not the only time that Brandon has had to fix something. And I will say every single time that I've gone on a cross-country trip with our friends and this, like, dates back to John being in high school and going on cross-country trips with these guys – Something breaks, and it turns out much more expensive than someone planned. Oh, for sure. Well, and too, not to mention that a Mustang is not necessarily a road trip vehicle. No, it's very not. I This trip was probably very frugal with your yeah. uh, souvenirs. For sure. Steve's hat may have been the souvenir. <laughs> Seriously. And yeah, so they end up in a small town in Texas called Hadley City. And yeah, like you said, they get a ride from a very generous man named Lee, and he has a garage. He's going to help with the water pump. Um, But he also has a son and other employee, I don't think it's his (laughs) other son, um, who just don't want to help Brandon and Steve at all because I guess they look like they're not from around here, so therefore they must think that they're better than them. And making all of these assumptions and then straight up makes a homophobic slur followed by Brandon coming back at them, recognizing that it was a homophobic slur. Yeah. I mean, there is definitely something happening in this. I mean, this is like, I guess we're now in mid to late nineties, mm-hmm. uh, social awareness. Mm-hmm. These two guys that work at the garage are just very, stereotypical cartoons and like I gotta be honest little low-key offended that this happened to like all be in the south and they were like yeah this is what happens in the south I was like hmm maybe not yeah I yeah the like there was a lot of assumptions being made and yeah I agree like from it sounds like those who wrote the pages you know Mm -hmm. like it wasn't just assumptions about um about you know, appetite for, for, uh, all types of people, all types, all types of relationships, not to mention there's some real interesting reactions and assumptions made about AIDS later. So we're just throwing everything against the wall here and just assuming that people are just like this, not to mention in the location we're in Mm -hmm. currently in this scene. So yeah, it was, this was not the first scene of the show, which we'll get to that, but this scene in and of itself, I was like, oh, God, here we go. Which, again, I always try to take it with a grain of salt. I'm like, I'm glad things are being talked about, things are being said. Like, literally, whenever – what's his face? I don't even remember his name, but this Lee's son made that comment to Brandon and Steve. I was like, holy shit. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't believe this was even put on TV. Now, granted, I know – I also watched an episode of The Boys later that day, and the things they put in that show, as opposed to what they put here, wildly different. But in 1996, this was like kind of like a holy shit moment. 
Yeah, I I think that guy's name was Lamar. That sounds right. There was definitely a Lamar in this episode. Yeah. But yeah, even in that moment, like, you could see the face acting with Steve and Brandon where, like, I mean, they were much more well put together in this moment than I would have been. Mm-hmm. But you just see Brandon's face of just, like, did you actually say that? Yeah. I mean, he got angry fast. And this is the point where Steve gets on the bus because it's a sign, which mm-hmm. also lots of talk about angels and like mm-hmm. signs and all sorts of stuff yep, in this definitely. one. Yeah. So while Steve is getting on this bus to go to Houston and like from Houston to LA to go surprise Claire, or I guess like just be home at the time he said he was going to be, this is not surprising at this point. Mm-hmm. We're back in L.A. where, you know, Claire and Kelly and Val are all catching up and da-da-da-da-da because it turns out that, you know, Brandon calls Val and I really like that it's Brandon and Val because I've started just saying B and V because I'm also on my Riverdale kick again. Love it. Uh, But like, you know, Claire and Kelly are catching up at the salon and Val comes in and this is the, like, catch up on everything that's happened all summer moment. Mm-hmm. Claire went to Switzerland, met a bunch of her friends from school, and apparently a ton of them are married now, which is wild since they're all only, like, maybe 21. Well, and if they're Claire's age, they're at least a year younger. So. Yeah. Yikes. It's, like, it's generous saying 21. It's also with Bridgerton. Every time they're like, I'm 28. I'm so old. <laughs> Like, oh, no. (laughs) And we find out, you know, Kelly has done well in summer school. She's basically all caught up, except that she has to do some volunteering, which brings up the AIDS story later on that we'll get to. And then Val comes in and is immediately like, hey, Kelly, you didn't call me all summer. (laughs) Yeah. And she's like, yeah, I know. (laughs) It's it's basically like, like what they literally said was like, um, you know, what'd you do this summer, Val? And, and Val like, makes a comment about how Kelly could have asked the entire summer because they both were literally there the whole summer. And she's just like, nah, <laughs> I'm good. I love it. Like, we're back at the level of Kelly and Val hate that I love. Yeah, it's not like diabolical and not like trying to like literally like ruin each other's lives. It's all talk. And I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I do wonder if the writers were like, okay, we went, we like, escalated a little too far in 32 Mm -hmm. episodes so let's like start back at zero and just like slower this time exactly watch me say that and then like next week kelly and val get in like a full-on fist fight yeah like a literal brawl i'd be okay with that too as long as it was like justified you know like one too many like quips at each other it makes (laughs) sense to me just can't handle it anymore and just slap her yeah why not And we find out Val has, like, truly been alone Mm -hmm. because FBI guy is in Miami, and so they just didn't keep that up. Yeah. And I really loved the back and forth here where Kelly goes, poor Val, alone again. She goes, don't worry, Kelly. I was thinking I'd just wait for your new guy and go after him. I love it. That – I'll – Go ahead and tell you that was that's my quote of the week this week because it was so good and so almost meta, you know, like like the whole I know what I do. You know what I do. The viewers know what I do. Might as well talk about it. (laughs) Yeah, I think 
Did Kelly say it to her face at the end of last season, or was she just saying it to somebody else? Because I love the idea of Val just, like, throwing her words back at her. Well, it was very much, like, probably in reference to when they were arguing over who had Colin first and who made yep. Colin. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking of. Like, you made Colin. Well, you knew him first. Well, I haven't talked to him in years. Okay, well, you made him. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I liked him when he was good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so they, they, they then they eventually talk about all going to the rap party for David and Donna, which we'll get to. But Claire instead decides to go surprise Steve in San Antonio, which I'm trying to think timeline-wise, chronologically, how fast she has to get from Beverly Hills to San Antonio. Yeah, they kind of really glaze over how much time has passed. Like, mm-hmm. Presumably, this is just over like a weekend or just a few days, whatever. I think we could probably figure out if we went in chronological order in the episode itself. Sure. But as soon as Claire said she was going to the Alamo to surprise Steve, literally in my notes, I wrote a classic mix up. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it is like a rom-com, literally like written over. It really is. And then, I don't know, I guess that makes... Val like the quirky best friend in this moment because I'm pretty sure the next time we see her as it pertains to this storyline because I really just don't want to talk about the CPA right now Mm -hmm. she gets home and someone is in the shower and I was confused I was like why are you just like going to see who's in your shower Mm -hmm. same like I would have been concerned. I would have been like, literally anyone could be in that shower right now. For sure. Yeah, for sure. But she goes through, I think, Steve's room and, you know, presumably sees his stuff and is just like so excited. She runs into the bathroom while he's showering and is just like, Steve, you're home. Oh, my God. And he like literally opens the curtain, which like classic Steve move. Like, of Mm -hmm. course he would. That boy is not ashamed of anything on his body. And he's got like a Santa beard looking thing with the shaving cream or the soap or whatever he's doing. And it's adorable. And he's so excited just to be home and to see Claire. And then like Val has to let him down. (laughs) But he's still so happy. He like makes his pecs jump. A little bit. He pulls a Terry. I lost my mind. (laughs) Lost my mind. Because. Oh, man. Truly, I I would believe it if Steve just like every time he goes to take a shower, he accidentally spends like 15 minutes in there because he's just like playing with soap. Oh, for sure. Playing with soap, practicing his peck tricks, trying to make his ears wiggle. Like who knows? But he definitely spends a lot of time in front of the mirror. He just like hangs out in there. He has one of those like steamless mirror so yeah he can just like play like put his hair up into like a mohawk and he's like how would this look it just makes me think of a combination between kevin from home alone (laughs) and emma stone's character in easy a when she's singing yeah when she does the betting field yeah (laughs) oh i would love to hear steve sing in the shower oh me too Uh, maybe no in like 10 years when shower radio has become really popular he buys one Absolutely. (laughs) I did notice in this moment, you know, he has this like full on Santa beard. He gets it off, but then he gets out of the shower and he has so much soap in his ears. It was like a distracting amount of soap. And he looks at himself in the mirror and doesn't get the soap out of his ears. 
And then they go into the bedroom, at which point, yeah, Val has to, you know, play the party pooper and explain, like, oh, Claire's not here. She just flew to Texas to surprise you. And he sits down. All soap's gone. <laughs> Continuity, baby. Starting season seven off strong. <laughs> well, and then it gets weirder because he's so convinced that Claire is going to hate him forever mm-hmm. because he ruined the surprise of her surprising him by trying to surprise her. It's it's a very, like, yeah, classic mix-up. It's a friends. They don't know that we know that they know that we know. Exactly. But he gets the idea of, like, oh, I'll just fly back to Texas to surprise her. She'll get to the Alamo, realize I'm not there, turn around, bam, I'm there. But when he jumps up, completely drops the towel, and the camera makes it very clear to us that Val saw everything. And I'm even surprised that Steve, like, covered up. Like, I know, obviously, for purposes of his camera motion, (laughs) but, like, I'm surprised he wasn't just like, I have to go get her, drops towel, runs away. (laughs) That would have made me so happy if the camera just stays on Val where she's just like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, no, for some reason, the camera follows him like literally angles down to look at his crotch and then he's like just running around the bedroom naked. Just the director was just like, no, we have to make sure they know. We're pretending to be Val's eyes here. We all know she's looking. Yeah, they were like, male gaze, female gaze. That's right. That's That's what we do. We don't want (laughs) to stare at Steve's adorable face while he's so excited to go see his girlfriend. Right. We only want the penis. But from then after, we just get a whole bunch of, like, Claire and Steve on a wild goose chase for each other. You know, Steve's at the airport, and there's so many people at the desk. That would have stressed me out on its own. But the desk attendant or gate agent or whoever is saying, like, oh, there's been a ton of grounded flights because there's really bad weather or there's going to be bad weather. So he goes to a payphone, and Claire's right there. So, of course, it's like a little, like, I don't even know what to describe it. It's just like a, a circle of payphones, which I would love to know if that was like legit real and they didn't have like a room for payphones or something like that. I don't know. This just is fascinating to me because I don't remember what payphones and airports were, were like, but they're literally like on opposite sides. And so, of course, they walk away. The other doesn't see them. Like they're distracted. They look one way and then the other one's the other. Like it's just this whole rom com thing and I kind of loved it oh I loved every segment like it took me a minute to come around to it because it was like literally right before this scene was when we find out that Kelly is volunteering at an AIDS hospice and everyone gets really weird about it and then it's like oh yeah and also Claire and Steve like Mm -hmm. it was a little weird at first so I had to come around to it but I love it now and did you also notice the man behind Steve in the giant cowboy hat? Oh, for sure. For sure, for like, sure. Like, I watched the scene twice, and I couldn't take my eyes off of him. <laughs> it's like the um, Yosemite Sam size cowboy hat. <laughs> He's got a camera secretly in his hat so that oh he can gosh. get, like, the spy cam shots for the director. Oh, my God. That would be amazing. <laughs> it would be so good. But then when they finally see each other, we get a classic 90210 slow-mo. Classic. And, like, Steve is vaulting over chairs. 
and luggage and people all the way to get to Claire. And they're like little back and forth in this moment where she's just like, God, what does she say to him? And then he's like, are you threatening me with a good time? Yeah, she's, like, talking about how, like, where is the closest motel or something like that. Like, you, like, they're trying to say, like, she's going to punish him, but also give him a good time. Like, they are very on the same page with what they do in the bedroom. I loved when he goes, oh, do you know what day it is? It's dress-up day. And, yeah, like, that could be taken in two different ways, right? Like, either, like, they are going to dress up as something or she was wearing a dress and he wanted to, like, polar dress up which yeah. is hilarious <laughs> I definitely went with the second one but nothing would make me happier than if they get to the motel and both open their luggage and we're like all right what costume did you bring right or like that's all they brought like various <laughs> costumes just they just got them on deck <laughs> one of them's a cowboy one of them's a nurse you'll never know who is who they have like entire village people like cast like it's just <laughs> yeah and what would be hilarious, even more hilarious if Steve did have all of that in his suitcase and has been carrying that with him? Like, what if he just didn't unpack from his trip to Atlanta? <laughs> he went to a shop in Atlanta. They had so many things. He needed to be able to dress like an Olympian, obviously. Oh, my gosh. I want nothing more now than to see Steve in, like, a homemade crop top from the 1996 Olympics. Easily can be a beach volleyball player. Yeah, absolutely. Easily. And they just presumably just go to the motel and have a good conversation. Have a good time. <laughs> yeah. They they haven't seen each other in three weeks. It's Steve has to see Claire's new haircut. That's true. It is a full new cut in color. But that's just one thing that happened this week. What else happened this week, Mary? So yeah, Lee, the tow truck guy, he promised to have Brandon's car fixed that afternoon. Unfortunately, to do that, he needs parts that his sons, the bigotry brothers, were planning on using for something else. Long story short, they don't fix his car, and Lee has to do it in the morning. Brandon befriends a library employee, Mariah, and literally no one likes that they talk and hang out because she's black and Brandon is white. In spite of racism from every direction, Brandon and Mariah have kind of a nice time eating good food and listening to music, and also Mariah quits her job and decides to move to New York to write about angels, and maybe also how Brandon is proof about they exist. Anyway, he drives off to see the Alamo, I guess. I mean, we have not had a Brandon story like this in a little while. Well, I know, yeah. Like, he's finally single and ready to mingle, and boy, does he mingle. Whew. Yeah, as soon so as soon as he gets to the library, I don't know why. First thing that popped through my head was having fun isn't hard when you have a library card. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I, He's certainly Arthur Reed, for sure. I needed Mariah to try and sell him on a library card. <laughs> you would think that's like what her job is supposed to be. But, like, at first I was like, oh, is she just a really friendly person who was also at the library? Or is she working at the library? Because at first, okay, backing up, after Steve leaves to go catch the bus to go to Houston, Brandon walks around town, finds a public library. He wants to research the Alamo because we've not made it there yet. Spoiler alert, we don't actually get there. Once he gets there, like, at first we see Mariah and they're just chatting 
And then we see Miss Busybody over to the left-hand side watching them. So I was like, is this kind of that thing of when a black person goes into a department store and they're followed and a white person isn't? So I was just a little confused. But then when she, like, brings the extra documents about the Alamo over to Brandon, I was like, okay, she works there. Which doesn't make what happened previously any better at all. It just cleared some things up. And to be fair, I mean, this is 90210. Whenever you see a black character show up on screen, you're like, oh, what kind of racist episode mm-hmm. is this? Exactly. Like, which direction exactly. are we going? Right. Because, yeah, Brandon and Mariah end up, you know, having this whole conversation about the Alamo and angels. And then old racist white lady comes up, did not write her name down, looks like she was smelling poo the entire time she was on screen but like kind of scared about it Mm -hmm. like she was definitely racist enough to confront mariah but scared of mariah because she's a racist in my mind yeah like her voice was shaking the entire time and mariah was extremely confident the whole time and yeah like when she comes over to reprimand her for just talking to brandon and quote unquote not working which in fact she was talking directly about what Brandon was researching, mm-hmm. um, but it doesn't even matter. Like, she doesn't need to be listening in on their conversation. She then calls it an attitude problem. And I'm like, geez, Louise, like, why? And yeah, she just quits on the spot, which, like, kudos for her. Like, don't be in a, in a racist, toxic environment. And of course, we have to see Brandon go out to chase her. That was probably just like a, yep, here it goes. <laughs> there it goes. And then to like, build on it as mary has so aptly titled them the bigotry brothers which is so much better than what i wrote of two guys from junkyard (laughs) i just wrote the mechanic boys from earlier (laughs) i like the mechanic boys (laughs) but as soon as they see brandon and mariah on the street they're like oh my god it's sick that they're with each other and very specifically that he's with her i think right 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 and i mean there's like There are little moments throughout this episode where they are having a good time. Like Brandon and Mariah go out to lunch together. We don't see anyone say anything to them at the Mm -hmm. restaurant. They, It looks like they get to eat their whole meal. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're talking about like, oh, do you have a girl waiting for you back in L.A.? Uh, I want to get out of here and go to New York to be a writer, which perfect woman for Brandon to meet is another writer. Yeah, for sure. And this is where we get some, like, really helpful exposition about Brandon and Susan and that they officially, like, we know for sure they broke up, but, like, they did not get back together. They have not talked. But also Brandon is over her, but doesn't sound over her. Yeah, this feels like I'm over her, like I'm over the other women that I have pined after in the past. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, my God, I never remember her name. The Ice Skater. The love of his life from high school. The one that got was away. It Trisha? Trisha. Tri- was it Trisha or was it Trish? I think it was Trisha. I think you're right. But yeah, Trisha. Yeah. Emily Valentine. Now we can add Susan Keats. Yeah, okay. Susan is like one burned turkey away from getting back in his heart. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Like if she showed up horribly repentant and was like, I will follow you to Boston – I don't know that Brandon could actually say no. I just think about all of the shows, like this, 
the teen soaps that come right after slash during this show, like Dawson's Creek would a hundred percent if we put these characters in Dawson's, like Mary, are you going to watch Dawson's or can I spoil something? Oh, you can spoil the hell out of it. I okay. will watch it eventually, but I don't care. <laughs> this is when like Pacey's about to leave to go on the boat trip. And Joey is, like, sprinting from Dawson's house to, like, go make sure he doesn't leave yet to tell him that, like, she loves him and, need, like, has to go with him and, like, all this kind of stuff. Like, just imagine that was Brandon going off on his summer road trip and Susan just sprinting, like, turning down the job. Like, oh, I kind of want it. <laughs> okay, would that make... Who would then be Dawson bawling on his dog? Oh yeah, that's how that's the scene from which we get the um That's the, the meme crying meme. That's the gif of Dawson just like <laughs> Yeah, like ugly, severe ugly crying. Um It's perfect. Who it would be Jonathan. I was thinking about Jonathan, but he's been out of our lives for like, I don't know, eight episodes. True. But I would love for it to be him. Oh yeah. It needs to be someone impactful. Exactly. Exactly. Anyway, Brandon and Mariah go back to the auto shop where they find out that the Bigotry brothers have gotten the part. They were on their way back with the part when they saw Brandon and Mariah come out of the restaurant and have literally just like put it on the ground in front of the Mustang and we're just like, yeah, we're not going to fix it. And then they say some things. Mm-hmm. Some really terrible things mm -hmm. and Mariah is ever the bigger person like it's unfortunately clear that she has dealt with a lot of this in this town and that she's kind of stuck with it but she pulls Brandon away she's like it's okay Lee will fix your car he's not like them and so it makes a comment that bigotry skips a generation sometimes I think it was like trying to put in a moment of levity you know like because obviously there's no genetic evidence to say that bigotry <laughs> skips a generation, but also like I I could see her just trying to be like, yeah, 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 just stop worrying about it. Like I promise you Lee is a good guy and he will fix the car. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate everything about Mariah. She's very clearly like a foil for Brandon in this episode, mm -hmm. but that's what most of the women who come into Brandon's life are. Yeah. And I just love her. And when she's, like, she tries to, like, split up so that the rest of his time in town is easier, he's just like, I don't want to do that, and takes her hand. Yeah, it's it's really nice. I also really, really enjoyed Mariah. I looked her up, the actress, up to see if she'd been anything else. She really didn't do much after Beverly mm -mm. Hills. And I always wonder why. You know, like, I always think about even, like, Scott, you know, when he quit acting, like, pretty quickly after the show, it's like, what, like, why? Like, you had the chance to, like, be, quote-unquote, famous or mm -hmm. be a celebrity or whatever. It's like, what? I just get curious. But anyway, I also really, really liked Mariah. I, I think you hit the nail on the head when you're like, she's ever the bigger person. She's clearly had to deal with this, but hasn't had the proper... Maybe support's not the right word because I don't want to take anything away from her grandmother, but, like, hasn't just had the push, like, in mm -hmm. the right direction to well, be inspired to get out, right? And it could even be that 
you know, her grandma may have been trying to push her to go, but how do you leave your grandma alone in a town like this kind it, of a right. thing? Right. Exactly. Like, yeah, that's a good point. It, it could be literally like both sides of the coin in Mariah's life and she just feels like she can't leave yet or she's just not 100% ready to. Mm-hmm. But she basically seems like she is the angel. Oh, my oh gosh. absolutely. What if at the end of the episode when she like basically calls Brandon an angel, he's like, no, I should tell you about my friend Donna. <laughs> you haven't met an angel until you've met Donna Martin. You should make it out to L.A. She's a literal princess and angel. I also know a prince. My God. <laughs> Brandon would get smacked if he just like walks around and told anyone what his life is like. Oh, man. Yeah. And you're right. We do like kind of get all these little cute moments, like good positive moments whenever Brandon and Mariah are not bothered by anyone else. Mm-hmm. Because then like when they're eating dinner, um, Mariah asks Brandon what it's like being in California. And he actually makes a comment. I thought this was good writing. Um, he says good people and bad people sharing the same space. Because if that mm-hmm. is not a reflection of what the human population is, I don't know what is. Right. It's like we're constantly in this like you know, not to get overly existential, but it's like we're constantly in this push and pull of like good people and bad people. And like, where are the people in the middle? And if you're in the middle, does that make you good or does that make you bad? Like, and I feel like no matter where you go, you know, this whole thing has been set up like the South is just this extremely racist, homophobic place. But Brandon is saying, well, no, California is bad too. It's just different bad or other bad because just in a few scenes, like we've mentioned, we get people freaking out about the age the AIDS epidemic so yeah it just it was such a good line and I'm like how can we have this this felt like good writing and bad writing sharing the same episode right (laughs) it was a very meta comment yeah because I'm like man we're getting these lines and then we're getting you know some of the other stuff that happened so um Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I like the whole dinner scene was adorable when Mm -hmm. she like reheats dinner for him and it's just like my grandma would lose her mind if she found out that I put her home cooking in a microwave right man same though like (laughs) now leftovers were certainly a thing when we were growing up but it was like there are certain things that are made to be leftovers other things you're eating it at the table and you're gonna clean your plate (laughs) I just oh I bet it was such good food it didn't look like they ate any of it Right. But I bet it was so good. And then she tries to make him – well, okay. She already had coffee ready in that, like, really nice carafe. And I was just – the whole time I was like, that is cold coffee. And you're trying to give him chicory, which you know he's never had before. Right, right. He's not touching this. But immediately she's like, you know, I actually have changed my mind. We're not going to have coffee. We're going to go somewhere fun. And she takes him to a blues bar. So fun. We're – we had the second musical moment of this episode. We haven't talked about the first one yet, but I was shocked that this yeah. was on streaming. It's like, and yeah, a hundred percent. Like even the the blues musician that is in playing in the bar is credited in the episode too as like a special guest or a guest appearance by. And I was just like, and I'm watching this legally. <laughs> yeah, I was like, should I be here? <laughs> I feel like I should have just gotten the DVDs out just to make myself feel better. I know, right? But unfortunately, they're interrupted because the show wanted to make it very clear that it's not just the guys at 
the garage and the woman at the library. It's everyone in this town has problems with Brandon and Mariah existing in the same space. Like they're not even doing anything at this moment. Like so far he's held her hand and eaten meals with her Mm -hmm. and people are having a lot of problems to the point that like one of these guys comes over and like takes Mariah away and I was confused that maybe she had a boyfriend or something. Right. But then the other guy stays and just flat out threatens Brandon. Yeah. And that was really uncomfortable too. I I understand what they were trying to do. Like they were trying Mm -hmm. to say racism, you know, can come in a lot of different forms and whatnot. I just always get really uncomfortable about it because I don't know. I'm just really conflicted because I just feel like us as white people have so much privilege that sometimes I'm like, yeah, but I can't be offended that you don't like me. Like uh, us as a people are terrible sometimes, you know, like, I don't know. I just get really conflicted about it. And so it just made me uncomfortable and I understand why it makes me uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I, I think the thing that got me in these episodes and like pretty frequently gets me is I have no evidence that there's any sort of diversity behind the camera. Yeah. And so I'm just like, I'm uncomfortable because these are, you know, people in a space that maybe they shouldn't be in trying to tell a story that I don't know that they truly understand. And so like, I have no problem watching uncomfortable like moments on TV. Like, yeah, totally different version of uncomfortable, but like I can watch Scott's Tots. I don't have to leave the room like some people. Same. But like- This kind of thing. I was just like, well, you're just very clearly going for, like, stereotypical moments and, like, throwing in words that are going to get past standards and practices and, like, you know, we're not getting to a bigger picture here. Like, this town isn't changing and the big thing that happens is that Mariah goes out to the coast. And I feel like you're just proving a very different point than you mean to be proving. Correct. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Because they leave the blues bar and the next morning... Like, Brandon's asleep on the couch. It's very clear where he has slept. And while he's been there sleeping, Mariah woke up early. She went to the garage. She confirmed that his car is getting fixed. She bought him breakfast. And she is very clearly trying to rush him out the door. And Brandon's like, wait, 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 wait. I don't – I want to stay. Like, I like, let's hang out. Let's go get breakfast. Like, let's hang out. But – she has decided, like, the reason I'm rushing you out is because I am also leaving. There is a bus to St. Louis to then go to New York. So I'm pushing you out the door because I have to go take my chance right now. And my question is, what about grandma? True. Like, I I know nothing about this woman other than that you live with her. So has she been trying to get you to leave and, you know, go live your dreams are you leaving a note for her? Was this pre-planned and Brandon just happened to show up and you didn't have the heart to be like, all right, but in 12 hours I'm getting on a bus. I've had this ticket for a week. Right. I just, The whole time I was like, why did you tell us about the grandma if she's just not important? She's not important. <laughs> I don't know. It bothered me. I was like, you don't just leave your grandma. You always leave a note. At least. At least a note. At the very least. Literally just read the Bridgerton where Eloise is like, I left a note. 
<laughs> Bridgerton is so good. Caitlin, it's your turn to get on the train. Yeah, I'm I'm getting ready. I just finished the boys today, so I feel like I need something that's not gross and explicit. <laughs> well, I know differently Bridgerton's explicit. Ex- yeah, differently explicit. I like it. Report back. Tell us everything you think. But there is one more scene with Mariah because once Brandon finds out that she's leaving, he's, you know, all for it. He takes her to the bus, at which point she tells him that he is proof that angels exist because if he hadn't come along, she wouldn't be leaving. I mean, it's fair given their earlier conversations. Mm-hmm. And we like Brandon now, so I'm okay with it. it. I do like Brandon. I have, you know, no problem. It's more of a like, this is so cheesy, like shake my head, yeah. but I'm kind of smiling about it kind right, of right. a thing versus, you know, I think it was season one or two when uh, the black family moved in to the neighborhood. That one was not good. Yeah, agree. This This one is not good, but at least I'm just like, oh, Brandon. <laughs> oh, Brandon. I will say, until he sees the racist men and, like, makes eye contact with them and then kisses Mariah. Which we know what point he's trying to make. Absolutely. But what if, like, to have seen a kiss before, then he sees them, kisses her again. Mm-hmm. Because she didn't really get a say in this matter. Yeah, like... She's just a prop, and I've always known that from the second she shows up at the beginning of this episode. But at this point, when he literally just uses her as a thing to kiss to upset other people, and, like, she doesn't get to have an opinion about this, because her family still is in this town, this might cause consequences that Mm -hmm. you're not thinking of, Brandon. Like, a hug would have done just as well. A handshake. Like, yeah. Acknowledging, like... I intend to speak to you in the future. They would have lost their minds. Yep. But yeah, was not a fan of the kiss in the way it happened. But it's fine. Whatever. He leaves. We'll never go back to this town ever again. Or to Mariah, unfortunately. Well, yeah, she's going to New York, and Brandon only meets girls from New York that come to him. (laughs) That's right. Oh... Mary, what else happened this week? David and Donna direct a music video for a terrible band. It goes over budget. The talent is difficult to work with, and David takes all of his stress out on Donna. Donna tries to help him through it, but will not tolerate his horrible attitude. But stupid David wants more work, and Donna wants out. Oh, also, Kelly hangs out for a while because Taz, from the band, becomes obsessed with her, and they use her as bait to get him to go to work. Kelly also decides where to do her care facility internship. Also, I found the name of the band. It's Bad Cow. Bad Cow. Bad okay. Cow. There is an animal in there. Yeah, and like the masky headgear stuff. The... Alphabet blocks on the beach still make no sense. Yeah, I don't get that. No, but the girl in the bikini and the bat mask was awesome. (laughs) I did really enjoy that they had to do the thing twice just so we could see these girls just being like, oh, hello. Legs out. (laughs) 
which may have been the only good moment in this storyline because like the first thing we see is Donna and David being like, oh, we had such a good summer. And then like 30 seconds later, David's like, you're stupid. Yeah, right? Like I was so hyped to get onto season seven. New season, new storylines, new drama. Same old David. Same David. And like, honestly, same Donna. Like I, I will say that Sometimes people don't want you to be their cheerleader. Like, they don't want you to try and make things better. That's a whole thing of just, like, sometimes you just have to be the listener. And you don't need to, like, be like, oh, it's fine. We'll just pick up tomorrow. It's the Ann Perkins, Chris Traeger of it all. The I just need you to tell me it sucks, agree Mm -hmm. with me, and move on. I don't need you to fix it. And that's totally fine. Mm -hmm. But David needs to communicate that. And I understand he's 20 years old, but still... This is version two of this relationship where we already know how them working together and being in a relationship together has gone. Mm -hmm. And I would really hope that by now with all of the therapy that both of them have had and the horrible relationships that both of them have had, that they would just like be a little better. I mean, you have a point though. They're 20. Yeah. I mean, I – Try to think all the time about like all the crap that I pulled back early relationships and at that age. And yeah, like I did not learn and grow from those until I was like 24. (laughs) I was really waiting for you to be like until I was at least 21. Nope. Nope. (laughs) That was kind of like peak stupidity. So maybe I should give Donna and David, or at least David, a little grace here. I just don't like the repetitiveness of it, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like, granted, we were told that this could go badly, that they could fight all the time, Mm -hmm. and they would end it because they want to maintain the friendship because they've already done that before. So they're telling us this could go bad. So I guess it's kind of on us, like, we should have expected this maybe, (laughs) but I just had higher hopes, right? Because we all know who is in game in this show. So yeah. I was like, let's see that path. Let's let's see how we get there, not how we keep running into the same wall. Right? Because we're at like season seven, and I know we've got over 100 episodes left, but if they are <laughs> endgame, we got to pick up the pace here. Right? We got to get a better pace. <laughs> but no, not yet. Very much not yet. It is interesting. We skip to the next day where they were supposed to pick up on this shoot. And the whole reason they had to cancel the shoot or like wrap early last night was because the band and presumably Taz Botel did just didn't want to do it anymore. And he just walked away. And now he's sleepy and he needs a nap. Oh my Lord. So Donna brought him to her place. <laughs> also, how are they filming the music video outside when it was, pitch black last night and now it's the middle of the day how are they continuing like i i feel like i want to look at this music video i don't even know what the song was yeah we need the full video to understand the scope and maybe that was just poor planning on david's part like because the thing is is like all we really know about donna and david's contract is that they're like signed on for a certain number of music videos and that they have mostly creative control and from last season we were told that eric the producer was 
going to have a hand in the creative process as well. So mm-hmm. I do wonder, like, was it David's vision to do a night and day shoot? Was it his vision to have a day shoot and it ran long? I don't know. I want the details. Tell me. I kind of love the idea of David learning lessons as a young director of being like, well, shoot it all outside on the beach. It'll be perfect. And then he gets to the beach and he's like, this was the worst thing I've ever done in my life. Oh <laughs> my God. Again. Never, never, ever, ever, never, ever again. <laughs> I love that idea. And like, he was just like so insistent on it. And everyone mm-hmm. else was like, no, we've done this before. This is a bad idea. And he was like, no, no one's done it before. Like I've done it before. Right. This, this is my headcanon now. And then I lost every thought in my brain, though, when Taz shows up and is just like, your mattress is so lumpy. You sound like you're from London. It was so bad. (laughs) He also the laugh, like the the, like continuous (laughs) laugh every time he spoke. I, I could not. I could not. I don't even think I wrote a single thing down about this, except for how much I hated that laugh. Oh, no, I wrote down quite a bit because he sees Kelly and he says, I know you. I never forget a face or any other body part that matters. And then proceeds to remember the one magazine cover she did years ago. Yeah. Which I did. As a 19-year-old. I did see a trivia thing that was like, he says it's from May of 1994, but in the show, it was in May of 1995 and like we saw the magazine cover. We did. So like, yeah, it wasn't that long ago but but if still. you if you asked me who was on a magazine cover and it wasn't like hey did you buy the Brad Pitt magazine from last month right not gonna happen yeah like hey do you remember the entertainment weekly for the final Harry Potter movie like sure I could probably tell you a vague idea of when it was but no no <laughs> so I used to have a subscription to entertainment weekly and yeah. Yeah, right. It was like a dollar for three years of Entertainment Weekly. They just gave that stuff away. Mm-hmm. But I had kept a ton of them, and they were on the shelf right under where that giant ceiling leak was, so we had to move them. And I was like, this is the time for me to like go through these magazines. I have so many magazines in there that I was like, oh, The Walking Dead. I'm finally watching this show 10 years later. I can read this now. That's kind of awesome, though, because you get access to all that awesome content that they always do for, like, big-time shows ending and stuff just, you know, 10 years later. <laughs> yeah. No, I was actually really ha- – I have so – there's at least four Walking Dead magazines. Wow. It's so many. And they're all from the seasons I've seen. So I was like, well, that's convenient. Perfect. And I looked up this man because I really needed to know where he was born so I could understand this accent. I actually didn't write it down. I think he's from like California or something. But the reason I got distracted was because he's on Angel. Oh, he's, fun. He's on multiple episodes of Angel. Is he a vampire? Cl- no, he's an oracle. So he was in – do you know that episode where I sent you the link where Angel gets the demon blood on him and turns human and he and Buffy get to be together? Oh, but, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And so it was that whole thing where she's like, I'm never going to forget. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, so to turn back into a vampire, Angel goes to see Taz Botel and get him to turn him back into a vampire. No. (laughs) (laughs) Why? I mean, he's definitely more, like, regal and ethereal in Angel, but now all I can think of is, like, you want to be a vampire again? (laughs) 
I even have the accent totally wrong. I don't care. No, it was close enough. It was like a like a like a bad Michael Caine like <laughs> If I wasn't looking at both of you on the FaceTime right now, I would have thought that was like a clip of the actor talking. <laughs> I heard once that Michael Caine's biggest like acting tip is that you don't blink. You don't blink? He's like never blink. Well, you know, somebody who may have taken him up on that, actually, <laughs> is the rapper Common. The reason, I promise I have a point. There's some commercial for, like, this nonprofit that he got brought on to a commercial for or something. And he does, in fact, blink in this commercial. However, he only blinks once. And he is on the screen for a solid, like, 30 seconds. And at first, Nate never caught when he blinked. So eventually he was like, babe, babe, you got to watch this commercial. He doesn't blink. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, yes, he does. But legit, he might blink in the first two seconds and then not for the remaining 28. It's like he's trying to read the teleprompter so clearly that he just doesn't blink. Maybe he learned it from Michael Caine. I cannot imagine if he knew that he if he was trying so hard not to blink and then they said they're like we got it you never blinked and then it gets on screen he sees he blinks and he's like those mother <laughs> they told me i didn't blink <laughs> immediately calls him and is like I, i'll do another uh commercial for you i'll do whatever you want nope nope it's fine it's fine we don't, <laughs> we're good anyway taz botel yes he sees kelly and he makes that comment about her being a cover girl and just like I don't know. He's like desperate to hear what she thinks of the song. And so Donna straight up like stands behind him and begs her to come. Like she's Mm. got this like pleading face on. And so Kelly agrees to come. She's not looking into it, but she does agree to come. So we get, we get to the beach where I have the most questions. So many questions. What is this music video? Is this a real song? Tell me everything. And then he ruins the take mid-take by waving at Kelly and running off the set towards her. It's like he literally had a squirrel moment. And it was like, distracted Kelly. Oh my god, hello! I literally... It was at this point in my notes that I was like, oh, are there alphabet blocks because he's a child? I need to be like, look! Blocks! Oh my god. That was like the thing to keep him occupied. And then he was like, oh wait... Something besides the blocks. Kelly! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait. I'm 25. Right? When he gets distracted, not surprisingly, David yells at Donna. For reasons beyond her control, Mm -hmm. for trying something, like, hey, she is the one that got him to the shoot in the first place. Now you're going to yell at him because, like, the way she had to get him to set is by Kelly and she like she can't control him like I, it was just so frustrating that he would get mad when if she didn't get him there he would have been more mad or mad mm-hmm. at something else yeah no I mean he is upset about how the shoot is going and he's taking it out on Donna and that is what makes it so unacceptable is that Donna cannot win here yeah the only redeeming moment in this scene is when Donna turns to Taz and just yells at him. She's like, you get back on set right now. And he's just like, what? 
Yeah, like total babysitter, like having, yeah. So good. But they, whatever, they finally wrap, which means we get to go to a wrap party. And we see contractually obligated Nat and Joan. I love the idea that Joan now gets to just be in it with Nat. I also just love that they're always invited to the young people things. And I I think they even comment on it, right? Mm-hmm. And Joan is pregnant. She's very pregnant. And high on life. She's They're getting married in a few weeks. She's got so many things to be excited about. I... I do think it's pretty hilarious. Like, they've literally invited everyone. Val is at this party. And she saunters up and, like, invites Taz and the band to the pee pad. He doesn't even really acknowledge that she's even there. I was like, since when has this ever happened to Valerie? Literally never. And you know the idea that this is happening because he's too in love with the vision of Kelly. (laughs) That she is just dead inside. Like, she is just like, I can't believe this is happening. This is my life. Right? At which point, to get rid of Taz, Kelly decides to tell him that they can't spend time with each other because she is volunteering at an AIDS hospice. And Taz gets this look on his face and is literally just like, my dates are calling, bye. Like, that look... I I mean, okay. I will be honest. I do not have any memories whatsoever of what the AIDS epidemic was like, nor knew anybody that had it or anything like that. But I do know, I mean, think about, like, I know, I remember things in pop culture happening. Like when Magic Johnson tested positive for HIV, he was essentially, like, shunned mm-hmm. and, like, people wouldn't play on the court with him. Like, because there's a lot of unknowns to this disease. And like, people thought just by being in their vicinity that they would just develop HIV and develop AIDS. Mm. So I know how, like what a big deal it was, but I was just like, damn, like this reaction, like what, what were they going for here? I could venture some guesses. Sure. I think this may be one of those topics that I don't make my wild assumptions about. Because I don't want to be insensitive being wrong, and I have a feeling that the show is going to handle it in a way that was probably good for 1996 and is not good now, and we're going to need to deal with that when we get there. Because it doesn't necessarily get better in this moment when Val asks Kelly if she's going through a martyr phase. Ooh, yeah. I like that. That just, I understand what was happening here. Like, she was trying to do the snip, but the snip didn't work. Mm-hmm. and I feel like Joan was actually like pretty interested in it like she's like oh my gosh are you really gonna do that I do think it's a noble thing to do I mean I I am interested I hope they kind of delve into a motivation that Kelly has for that because mm-hmm. like it is noble, and the fact that she has to do volunteer work is a very interesting requirement for her class credits, and I like that they threw that in to, like, give her something to do. Mm-hmm. I will just be very curious what the motivation is and if they couldn't come up with something more relevant to what's already happened with her. 
Yeah, like maybe working in a burn unit or... Ex-cult members. (laughs) Yeah, like runaway teens. I mean... N.A. or uh, eating disorder clinic. Yeah, like like there's a lot of options for Kelly. So yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I'd be curious what the motivation is here. And if there isn't, that's okay. I'm just just curious. curious, Yeah, what it is. I mean, because maybe the other things are too triggering for her. So maybe she wanted to find another cause that would make sense that she doesn't have to be triggered by. Quite possibly. And I do wonder, like, are they going to have, like, a very special episode kind of a thing where they try and undo some of the damage that happened in, you know, the 80s and 90s related days? Because goodness knows there was a lot of damage done. For sure. For sure. But that's just kind of, I don't want to say a thrown in line, but that's just kind of like a thing to get rid of Taz and to, you know, kind of set up what Kelly is going to do for at least the next couple episodes. Mm -hmm. Because we get towards the end of the rap party and Donna and David are dancing and he keeps apologizing and she keeps telling him to forget about it, which I hate because that's the Donna like, I'm going to smooth things over so that we don't have to have problems. And then we find out Eric doesn't have a job anymore. Yeah, they're like, we don't want to pay this guy anymore, so we're going to, like, make him get laid off. And his, like, assistant shows up? Yeah, his secretary shows up at the very end of the party, and it's just like, oh, yeah, Eric couldn't make it. Actually, he couldn't make it because he got fired, and someone will reach out to you. Is that crab cake? (laughs) i'm gonna go mingle and eat food which fair um yeah but yeah at this point like we get a few scenes like in between here but the next time we see david and donna like david is fully freaking out he's like he's the one that signed us to this contract like i want to go straight to the mza offices and i want to make sure that we're networking and keeping our names at the top um or at the front at the forefront of all these record executives and Donna's just like, you know, I don't, I don't know that I want to do that. I think we should just kind of relax and chill. Like I, college is starting back soon, and I don't know that I want to be work, work, work until college starts back. Which also fair. I honestly love her plan for the day. She's like, I'm gonna go do my laundry, and then I'm gonna make a smoothie, and then I'm gonna watch a video that my dad taped for me. So it's literally just like I want to sit on the couch and drink some green juice and clear my DVR. I love that the smoothie she wanted was apricot and peach. Like, that's a lot of similar flavors right there. (laughs) But it was adorable. And I want Donna to have whatever she wants. Honestly, the way she was describing everything sounded like she had her day planned. And David was going to ruin it. And she was like, no, I have already cut up the bell pepper that I'm going to have for a snack. Like, Mm -hmm. hummus is in the fridge. It is self-care Sunday. (laughs) And instead... Yeah, David is just like, no, I want to sit in an armchair and I have no plans, but I will figure it out. So my favorite thing about all of this is David just being like, no, we're going to go. I don't know what we're going to do when we get there, but we have to be there. Right? It's very archy behavior. Mm, Like very much like I have to go take charge. I have not thought about anything and I've not planned anything, but we have to do something. And also, I would like to point out, this is extremely addictive behavior from David. 
And we it know really... he has been addicted to substances in the past. Just because it's not a substance doesn't mean you can't be addicted to it. Oh, yeah. I mean, there are so many people that pick up different habits to, like, break their addiction to certain things. Like, they'll take up smoking so that they won't be drinking. Right. Or they'll take up yoga so that they won't be doing whatever. But then you're off doing, like, four hours of yoga a day and all of a sudden you're addicted to yoga. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't necessarily sound like a bad thing when you say it out loud. But when you're doing anything that obsessively, it's not good. Exactly. Very much including – harassing your girlfriend so that you can go to MZA and harass the people there for no reason, like yeah. no point. You don't have a point yet. Yeah. And he's really like, especially here, putting the cart before the horse, because even though I do think it's smart to network mm-hmm. and because David is a very young up and coming, you know, kind of employee, he's also like last one in, first one out kind of situation. I appreciate the the desire to want to make a name for himself in this business, but He's still putting the cart before the horse and it just is coming off to me like he's obsessed. Well, and if he shows up without a plan, yeah, it's there's a really good chance this is going to blow up in his face. And then what's he going to do? He's going to take it out. He's going to spiral and he's going to feel like he has no direction, which is going to lead him to the other things he obsesses about. Agreed. And I do give Donna a lot of credit for not having any of this. Like, she is insistent. She's like, no, I'm going to do my laundry. I love the idea that she is, like, going to do her laundry, presumably in a community laundry room in this building, because I would never have guessed that for Donna Martin. Same. Same. I feel like there was even a comment when she wanted to move out where, like, or maybe she'd already moved out and she brought her laundry back to her parents' house. Mm Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, who doesn't? I do that. I would do that if my parents were still here. And yeah, I mean, David tells her, he's like, if you leave now, there are no guarantees about anything. And she's just like, okay. Yeah. Go make my smoothie. She doesn't know that she wants to do this for her career, let alone the next three weeks until school starts. Like, she's got other things she wants to do. She wants to be a 21 year old. She doesn't want to be thrust into the workforce all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. Um, And plus, she's been doing this all summer. So. Presumably. So, yeah, I get it. I get it. I, I get it a lot. I I feel confident that they're still going to be dating next week. Oh, She's going to give me some grief. But it's fine because Donna is standing up for herself and hopefully David will have the answers that he needs and wants. And that's really all I have to say about them. <laughs> I don't really have anything to say much about the next person that we're going to talk about, but I guess we have to talk about it. Jim Walsh refers Val to an accountant, Kenny Bannerman, who has a lot of attention to pay to her, I mean her business, next week. Yeah, literally, this guy is a scumbag. I was so uncomfortable in how all of this is going, and Val is so clearly lonely. I mean, she smoked a joint. (laughs) She smoked a doobie. <laughs> I literally, in my notes, like, oh, no, she's smoking again. Not the weed. <laughs> Ridiculous. But, yeah, for some reason, Jim Walsh has set her up with this scumbag, which then makes me think that just, like, everyone who works at this firm is a scumbag. 
or that Jim like truly referred Val to somebody else and that person had too many clients or something. So it was like, oh, here, here's this up and coming younger dude, Kenny. I don't know. Like, I cannot believe, I will not believe, I refuse to believe that Jim Walsh is like, yep, that's the guy for Valerie Malone. Right? Like, you would think Jim would be like, no, she's going to go with an older man who is, like, going to be the Jim to her Dylan. Exactly. Like, we need a father figure, not a gross, too old, but also not old enough. He, you um, know? He is a fully professional CPA who insists on going by Kenny because Ken was Barbie's boyfriend. What is that logic? I, I don't know. I couldn't tell if it was a good thing or a bad thing. I was like, I don't, are you, do you like Ken? Do you not like Ken? Do you like Kenny? I, what about Kenneth? I have never met a Ken who prefers Kenny. I've never, yeah. Do, yeah, I only know one Ken. I, I know two Kenneths. One goes by Ken and one goes by James. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> like, he just straight up left Kenneth behind. <laughs> but yeah, he like, all he did, go ahead, Mary. You're gonna. I know you, two you Kennys. You know two Kennys? Oh my we God. We went to high school with one, but. Does he still go by Kenny? I have no idea. I oh, don't shoot. keep track of anyone. <laughs> I also went to high school with someone named Kenny. I'm but that's like up Facebook. That's a teenager. Yeah, I want to like yeah. go to my Facebook and just type in Kenny and see what comes up. <laughs> Kenny and Vanderman. now that I'm thinking about it, I think the second Kenny is actually a Ricky, so never mind. <laughs> <laughs> and to be fair, the only Ricky I know goes by Rick now. Okay. My high school Kenny person still goes by Kenny per Facebook. Okay, but – does Facebook still do those little blurbs? Does he say I go by Kenny because Ken was Barbie's boyfriend? First of all, <laughs> remembering what I know about this guy, he would never put a blurb <laughs> on Facebook. And yeah, all I know about this dude is his name is still Kenny and nobody has, he has not corrected anyone. Okay, well, I logged into Facebook and I searched Kenny and the first thing that popped up was Kenny Chesney. That's a famous Kenny. That tells you how many Kennys I know. (laughs) Regardless, this Kenny sucks. (laughs) This Kenny sucks so much. I mean, they have like a little bit of setup where, you know, Val says that she needs to get some sort of a loan. Like she just needs cash because there's new competition. She needs to reinvent the place because it's a great space. And there is a part of me that thinks she needs to get Kelly's New York off her walls. <laughs> and the binary code on the floors. She, do you think she looks at it now and it's just like, why did I let him do this to my floors? I mean, probably. I like, would. Her, her heart's probably not in it because all she sees is Colin. And her Kelly. felon boyfriend. And yeah, Kelly too. Kelly and Kenny. Oh. Oh my God. What if Kelly steals Kenny from Val? Please don't. Please don't. I don't. Neither yeah, I don't want that. Neither of you need him. Neither of I you. I don't want that. Because I think the next time that we hear about Kenny specifically is when he calls Val like pretty early some morning and says he can get her the cash and like, you know, lists out some available options, whatever. 
Mm-hmm. And yeah, says like, I have a lot of attention to focus on this. And he like wants to see her again and does say it in a like professional setting, but also in a gross way. Well, because the back and forth, she's like, oh, yeah, I'm all yours. Just call. And then he says something about like, was it a rough night? And she goes, all nights are tough when you're alone. Yeah. And like, like earlier he had said like, well, I'm your man. Like, blah. And the fact that he insisted on, like, just going to first names, like, I know that's what you do, but the way he said it, like, it it felt – it makes my skin crawl. I don't like like Kenny. Yeah, like, what should happen is, like, Miss Malone, nice to meet you. And Please call me Val. Yeah, and and he does the same thing. Like, she's like, nice to meet you too, Mr. Banderman. He's like, please call me Kenny. Easy. Done. Not, I think we should be on a first name basis, don't you, Valerie? Well, whatever he says. I don't know. It seems clear he'll be back next week and Val is going to get involved with another man she should not be involved with. Oh, yeah. I expect to see a lot more of Ken. Kenneth. <sighs> Kenny B. <laughs> Ooh, Kenny B. Kenny B. CPA. Oh, my God. Offended. That he is a CPA, by the way. He's giving all CPAs a bad name. He is. We are not all like that. We are boring, (laughs) but we are not predatory. Oh, my God. Now I just need to see. Don't you look this up, but I'm going to look at how many episodes he's in. Oh, he looks very familiar now. (laughs) Weird. Love that face. Please tell (laughs) me if you recognize him from something when you look up all of his stuff. He's only in... A few, not that many episodes. Okay. The question is, though, which I'm not sure I want you to respond to. Okay. Are they spread out? Because we've had that before where, like, somebody disappears and then shows up, like, two seasons later. Um, I would say they are not spread out, but I don't know necessarily in the context of the season. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like Kenny Bannerman. Yeah, and for also reference, I don't recognize anything that he's been in recently, so I he just has a familiar face. He's just got one of those faces. He was in the Lois and Clark um, that Dean Cain was in. Oh, man. So that's fun. We got that going for us. <laughs> but yeah, that is our premiere, right, of season seven. I think yeah, that's I, I think we did it. Woohoo. I'm sorry I should be more hype about this but like I don't know there's I need some more context for like what's gonna happen I don't feel like it was a very good setup episode I feel like since we lost the summer episodes and we're going to like a full-on summer break that a lot of the premieres really tend to be like here's what everybody did all summer and then the second episode is the one that we really end up liking it's kind of like how some shows do the penul- penultimate episode of a season is like the season finale, and the season finale is the setup for the following season. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like that. So we're just doing it in the reverse, the reverse of that. Yeah. But yeah, you guys already know my quote of the week. I mentioned it earlier, so I won't make you guys go through it. Unless you guys just want to talk about quotes that you like, which is absolutely please do that if you want to. But yeah, it was... The sniping back and forth, the banter, the appropriate level of angst between Kelly and Val. 
I had one little exchange. Um, when it's a Brandon and Mariah thing, he like takes her hand and says, come on. And she's like, where are we going? And he goes, I don't know. <laughs> like he just did a little <laughs> chuckle and I was like, holy shit. Why is he adorable? <laughs> he snuck up on us. He sure did. Or maybe like he's been bidening us. Oh, my God. He's been there this whole time, just inserting himself into the situation until finally we have no choice. Yeah. That is it, a new girl reference. I'm not insulting the current president of the United no, States, I, by no, the way. No, I caught it. I caught it. It's just funny because it's accurate. It's actually really true. Like, I don't know that they knew how real it was or whoever said it knew how real it was i think that honestly like what it was is they just took the pressure off of it like he didn't have to be the focus the like the focal point of the whole show mm-hmm. he's still the main character and still like the brandon wall show but when he started taking a step back and was a little bit more in the background it's like yeah he's actually hilarious and charming and fun to be around yeah yeah i really like him now Mary, was that – so that was a quote you wrote down. Yep. Was that your moment or you have a different moment? No. My moment is um, Valerie getting super fucking excited that Steve is home yeah. and just running into the bathroom and her smile and just being all light and happy and Steve being happy to see her too. Like, my heart. That was really fucking sweet. I agree. I, I feel like Ian Ziering was just like so jazzed to be back working you know like they took their short break and he's like man i gotta go back and see my friends <laughs> and he just they, carried it they've all been working so much he's like i don't know what to do when i'm not with my friends i get to go see my friends this week i mean it is kind of like how when we were in school like not college but more like you know middle high school like yeah we hated school part but you kind of miss your friends. Like it's three, two, three months without your friends because you go on vacations and do all these things. And it's like, you're kind of excited to go back to open house just because you get to see your friends again. I love that analogy so much (laughs) that like Steve is just excited to go back and see his friends at orientation. Yeah. That's so cute. Um, so yeah. What is next week's episode? All right. Next week, we have season seven, episode two. Here we go again. All I can think of now is, who is it? Okay, go. That does the here we go again when it's on the treadmills. Mm-hmm. All I can think of now. I thought of it's not the exact same. It's here I go again is that White Snake song. All right. I mean, here we go again. Another year of school. Another someone doing the same thing that they did before i don't know is this the last year of school is this the final college years i think so because they did junior twice then senior year was third season then four five six seven would be four years of college oh my god guys are we about to be out of school my god we're gonna have to like we're almost through like the second part of this series because you could argue that it's like high school college adulthood yeah question marks they're all seniors and i don't think we know what any of them are actually majoring in no we don't except for kelly maybe psychology still 
And you still have to say maybe. Yeah. <laughs> what if they start next episode and they're like, man, I'm so glad I'm a business major. <laughs> yeah. So glad I changed from finance to communications. <laughs> <laughs> it's just very clearly 80 yard in because they hadn't decided. Right. Oh, I can't wait. Well, I guess we'll find out next week. And until then, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at back to podcast. Or you can let us know all of your thoughts, questions, comments, concerns, anything you want us to talk about. Coming into season seven, we're fresh with a new season. So please just let us know by email at backtopodcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to go into your podcast app and rate, review, subscribe, share it with all your friends and family. All that stuff really helps us to get seen and build a community and give y'all a better product. And if you leave us a review in an Apple podcast, we'll give you a shout out on the show because we really appreciate you and all the things you do. So until next week, from all of us at Back to Podcast, I'm not going to the Alamo. I never forget a body part. I gotta go, guys. It's dress up day. Bye. Bye. <laughs> See ya.